Hi, this is Dr. John Ankerberg. I invite you to dig into God's Word today with my dear friend, the late Dr. Wayne Barber, as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible. Joshua chapter 2. And what we've been doing is looking at Joshua and comparing the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, they had an, ex- they had an external covenant. It involved the land. But in the new covenant, we have an internal and eternal covenant. It involves a life in Christ. And the same way they possessed the land in the Old Testament is the same way we experience the life in the new covenant. And so that's what we've been doing. In fact, in chapter 1, we talked about experiencing what you already have. Facing life and God's strength. Walking on the water of God's Word in chapter 3. Letting God be your legacy, chapter 4. Living as a victor, not a victim, chapter 5. Conquering the temptations that threaten us, chapter 6. Realizing the peril of unconfessed sin, chapter 7. Understanding what it's like living in the will of God, chapter 8. Understanding how to deal with failure, chapter 9. Watching God display His power, chapter 10. Experiencing God's design for you in chapter 14. Resting in Christ, our refuge, in chapter 20. Learning to live in peace with the odd brother in chapter 22. Learning that the Christian life is lived by faith alone in Christ alone in chapter 23. Having to make hard, serious decisions as we looked at last week in chapter 24. And today, it's knowing, and this is such a a powerful truth that we can grasp hold of. Knowing that our God always goes before us. Knowing, knowing that our God always goes before us. Now, as we said, God gave Israel land, but God has given us life as new covenant believers in Christ. <laughs> I had thought bring Bubba out today. You hadn't seen Bubba in a while, and he just needed some fresh air, so I thought I'd bring him in here. Before the cross, the law demands Bubba to perform Ten Commandments, God's standard, the character, the impeccable character he demands from all mankind. Bubba was kind of useless before the cross. Nothing inside of Bubba. Imperfection is is the name of what we all are apart from Christ. And he's a sinner born into Adam and cursed under the curse of sin. But then he comes to know Christ at the cross. But here's another truth. On the other side of this, he is the same as he was over here apart from Christ. You see, the life that comes within him is the only thing that causes Bubba to be what he's supposed to be. He has no life in him before the cross. He does have life in him after the cross when he's received Christ. However, if Bubba choose to do things Bubba's way, whereas the law condemned him before the cross, it cripples him after the cross. And so that's what we've been trying to refresh our hearts with. The Christian life cannot be lived in our own power. You can't do it. No man can live the Christian life. That's why Christ came to live in us. It is Christ living his life in and through us. Just like the Israelites could not possess the land by trusting God, uh, could only possess the land by trusting God and, and, and walking by faith. This is the way we experience Christ's power and his life in us when we walk by faith. Colossians 2, 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walk you in him. It's the same exact way we live today as the Israelites live. This truth of the Christian life is learned only as it's lived. There are a lot of people who have it in their heads, 
but they haven't quite grasped it yet. They're still living as if they can do it themselves. And yet they can discuss with the best of them what this truth means, but they turn right around and live the other way. It's like an artesian well. One of the stories I love to tell is of a great evangelist that saw a man pumping a well one day, and he just said, wow, how does a man pump a well like that? And he got closer and closer and found out that the man was made of wood and his arms were made of wood and, the, and his elbows were hinges and it suddenly dawned on him, wait a minute, he's not pumping the well, the well's pumping him. That's an artesian well. That's what it is when Christ comes to live in you and in me, he wants to live, live his life through us. Now, it is when we finally realize that. And I wonder sometimes what life has to do to us to bring us to the point of understanding that we can't do it. Then it's when we learn to turn to Him. That's when He's got us where He wants us. I call it the blessed place of desperation. We, he, he brings us back to Himself, and He brings us back to His Word, and as we yield, we begin to experience what we had all along. It is then we discover that anything over our head is under His feet. Now, I want to keep saying this. Sounds like a broken record. You say, where's Joshua in all this? Hang on. I'm going there. I'm getting you there. Christ lives in us to enable us, but there's another thing that he does. Not only does he enable us, but he leads us and guides us in this journey called life. God's always ahead of us. That's what we want to see. We see this shadow in the book of Joshua. How God was always in front of the people, preparing the way. While the people were preparing to cross over, the land, over to the land, they didn't know what God had already orchestrated. God was way ahead of them. In the new covenant, nothing gets to us, those, those, those that are believers, nothing gets to us that doesn't pass by Jesus first. And that's what, whatever you're going through this morning, whatever challenges in your life, understand God's way ahead of you. God understands your weakness. He's there to enable you. He's there to lead you. He's, he's preparing the way for you. On the other side of the Jordan River, lying in the path of everything that God had promised to them was the city of Jericho. It was located in such a strategic spot that it commanded all the passes to the central highlands. Jericho had to be taken or there would be no possessing of the land. Jericho had been there, uh, Joshua rather, had been to Jericho 40 years before, but now he, he needs to get some fresh information. He'd been one of the 12 spies that had gone over to search it out. So he sends two spies who had to swim the swollen Jordan River and ease into the city of Jericho, hopefully unnoticed. But here's what I want you to see. These spies didn't know it, but God had gone before them and had already prepared their way. I want you to see this in the message today, that wherever God leads us, whatever we're ch challenged by, He's already gone before us if we'll just trust Him. Uh, to He'll guide us through whatever it is we have to face. Three powerful principles. And I'll tell you, I've been waiting to do this message for a long time. <laughs> I skipped it when we started chapter 1 because we got them to the river and I had to get them across. <laughs> And so I jumped over it. Now I'm coming back to it because I think it, it leads us in a, in, a, in a fresh way. Three things. First of all is this. Christ. Now this is the new covenant believer being compared now to what's going on here. First of all, Christ is always our safe house. 
A safe house is a place where someone is, can be hidden from the hurtful harm that somebody wants to do to him. It's, it's a place that you hide a person away to keep him out of danger. Look at verse 1. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And as we said, Jericho stood in their way of possessing everything that God had given to them. Now, in the Christian life, in, the, in, the, in a new covenant, you see, when we seek to experience Christ, the Christ that we already have, the world, the flesh, and the devil stands right in front of us, threatening to take away from us that which God says is ours. Now, notice that the spies were selected and sent out secretly. Now, if you remember the first time when the spies were sent out, that wasn't secret. All of Israel knew about it, and what a debacle that was. It's when they, when they came back, they gave such a negative report that it, that it in turn discouraged the whole nation of Israel from crossing over the Jordan River. So this time only two spies were sent. And they were sent secretly because of the experience they had had before. By the way, we live and learn, don't we? We live and we learn. Verse 1 again, Then Joshua the son of Nun sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And this is interesting. They lodged at Rahab's house, who was a harlot. Why Rahab's house, of all people? Well, little did the spies know that they were being protected by God all along. <laughs> if you ever miss this in Scripture, and you think it's just blind luck that they ended up there, you've missed something beautiful that it, it will show you in a message this morning. You see, word had gotten out that they were in the city. They weren't as secret as they thought they were. Verse 2, it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Now, somehow the king of Jericho had found out they were in the city. Now, we don't know who told it. It could have been anybody. I'll tell you why. Because the people of Jericho, they had a massive number camped out on the other side of the Jordan River. You think these people didn't know that? So the whole city would have been on alert. Someone must have spotted the two spies and followed them to Rahab's house. But our point is, now here's my point. God knew this all along and had led them to Rahab's house for protection. You can't see it yet, but you're going to. Once their presence had been discovered, the king sends his men to Rahab's house to bring the spies to him. Verse 3. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. Now the plot begins to really thicken right here. And I just want you to get into the story so bad, but I can't make you do it. This is the first service, and I realize most of you are not even awake yet. But I want, to, I want you to get into the text with me. The plot begins to thicken. Watch this. Rahab does an interesting thing. In verse 4 and 5, if you look at her just as a harlot, if you look at her as an as old sinner, and if you look at this as blind luck, you've missed the whole point of what's going on here. She lies, in verse 4 and 5, to the king's soldiers. Why? To protect the spies. What is she doing? Who is this woman? <laughs> verse 4, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, yes, the men came to me. But I did not know where they were from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out 
I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. (laughs) Now, in the meantime, what she had done, she had taken them to the roof and had hidden them under the stalks of flax. Verse 6, but she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Now, let me tell you something about flax. I'm sure you're really excited to know about flax this morning. <laughs> After flax stalks were, pie, were pulled up at harvest time, they were soaked in water three or four weeks to separate the fibers. Then they had to dry out, and then they were made into linen cloth. Now, what she had done, she had taken the two spies under these drying stalks on the roof, but she lied. You see, you see the picture there, if you, if you can get, if you get to it. it, it the he's easy to hide somebody underneath there. She lied to the soldiers that they were gone, but they were upstairs hidden underneath the stacks of flax. Her story was partly true, which she told them, yeah, they were here. (laughs) But she lied when she added that she didn't know who they were because they had left. Now, Rahab, in her limited understanding of God, you have to see this. This is how much she knew about God, about this much. That's all she knew, had responded. She had responded to it. She believed that she had to help these men out, so she lied to protect the spies. Could God have protected them if she had not have lied? Absolutely. This raises the issue, is is it ever right to lie? Well, the answer is no, because God's sovereign, and God's always there. And I hear all the different, yeah, but, yeah, but. I hear that all the time. But that's what the Word of God says, thou shalt not lie, period. But based on what we know about Rahab, her little exposure to God, you can begin to understand why she did what she did. A lot of people do what they do because they're not walking on a level that God wants them to walk on, and they end up saying it or doing it. The point is, she acted on the little that she knew. She's willing to place her own life in jeopardy to protect the spies. And God had gone before the spies and prepared a safe place where these spies could be protected their enemy pursued them but God protected them isn't that awesome their enemy pursued them but God protected them so the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan to the fords and as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out they shut the gate as new covenant believers we don't have physical enemies we don't have physical enemies that threaten our spiritual walk now you may think so but it's really it's really not a a physical enemy And we don't have tangible safe houses to run to. I I wish sometimes we did. I'd love to have a little place that nobody knew about (laughs) that I could run to. But we don't. But when we seek to experience the life that God has given us in Christ Jesus, and the enemy, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil surround us, Christ is our safe place. Now, if you've never run to him in the midst of a trial, I don't know what you're facing this morning. I I don't know what life is doing to you this morning, but I want to promise you from God's Word, God's way ahead of you, and you must run to Him. Don't run anywhere else. You run to Him. That is your safe house. He always is our safe house. When we were going through some of the difficult times that we went through when we were in Albuquerque the first few years, Diane and I at night, we'd get in the car, and we would just ride and we took a little tape of uh, Dennis Swanberg. You ever heard Dennis Swanberg? One of the funniest human beings that ever lived. He's a Christian. He's clean. And he's awesome. And we put his tape in, and we'd laugh for at least an hour. 
And then, then we would spend time praying together. But we were coming into the presence of who Christ is in our life. And I want to tell you, we would go home so encouraged. We'd go home so refreshed just to run to Him. Run to Him. Run to Him. He is our safe place. But I want to show you something else. That the second point is what really fired me up. Christ not only is our safe house, but Christ always has His people all around us. People that we don't know anything about. He's always got His people out there around us that's doing things you don't even know they're doing. He says in verse 8, Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. Now we begin to see why Rahab acted the way she did. God had already prepared Rahab's heart. Rahab, listen, contrary to public opinion, Rahab was no longer a harlot because God had brought her to himself. The reason she's referred to as Rahab the harlot is because once a person was known that way, that was a name they carried after that, and that's the way people would refer to them. But God had already revealed himself to her, so much so that it had changed her life. In verse 9, God had revealed to her that the land in which she lived was not even her land, and she understood that. She said, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. Now, she revealed to the spies that the fear of God had fallen on all the inhabitants of the land. Now, though, Abraham, though, though Rahab had, had, God had, through Rahab, God had revealed the, the, the spies' lack of, uh, of morale. Listen, if you wanted to scout somebody out, that would be critical to your understanding. These people are scared to death. These people are scared to death. There's no morale in the camp. And she revealed that to them. They found out everything they went to find out in one house by one woman who had already been touched by God. God was going before not only the spies, but also going before all of Israel to bring the people of Jericho. She tells them what, what it was that had brought such fear in verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. Now this had happened. You have to understand, she said, what happened at the Red Sea has scared our people to death. Do you realize that happened 40 years before? 40 years plus before they had crossed the Red Sea. You know what this tells me? This tells me that all of Jericho understood who God is in the sense of His power. And every single one of them in Jericho could have bowed before what that little bit that they knew about Him, but only Rahab bowed. Isn't that interesting? They all had the knowledge. They all had the same knowledge, but only Rahab bowed. She saw it and responded to it. For the Lord your God, He is God, she says, in heaven above and on earth believe. I contend that Rahab had become a believer in the God of Israel, and I've got good support for that. I contend that she had already given up her practice of being a, a harlot because she had responded to the little bit that she knew about God. And what I want you to see is that God had a friend waiting on, on the spies 
that they didn't know anything about. Didn't know she existed. Had every bit of the information they needed. And even had a safe place in which to harbor them. She had been prepared by God. You say, now Wayne, what's your biblical evidence to support that? I'm so glad you asked that. In the book of James, James shows that Rahab was a believer. Watch this. It uses the same words to describe Rahab as it does to describe Abraham. He says in verse 24 of James chapter 2, You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now you have to understand that. He's not talking about before God. You're, you're justified only by faith before God. The word justified is the word dikaio. <laughs> I call them the uh-oh verbs. Got two little zeros on the end of it. And when you see a Greek verb that's got two zeros on the end of it, it doesn't mean that they're just justified. It means they were put on display and everybody saw that they were justified. He was justified by works. The works point to the fact that they are justified. A man is proven to be saved before men by the righteous works because true faith produces righteous works. It is not faith and works. Don't you hear me say that? It is faith that works. A true faith works. That's what James is all about. It's not about works. It's about true faith. And if a man has true faith, he will be justified before men. He will be seen to be who he is because of what the faith produces. Well, then it goes on to say, and this is after Abraham. This is Abraham we've been talking about. Look at this in verse 25. In the same way now in the same way means in the same way <laughs> was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way by Rahab's response to that little tiny bit of information she had about God it proved that she was also a believer the, the beautiful of message that's in this here's Rahab perhaps in their society the lowest of the low and yet, it's seen in hope in salvation of Rahab. It's even more beautiful than that, though. Much more beautiful than that. It's placed, she's placed in the genealogy of Christ. Now, is that not incredible to you? Look at this. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. And, ooh, I hope I excite you here. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Now, whoa. Now, you know what Jewish tradition says? Now, can you say it's absolutely right? Well, no, but it's <laughs> we, Jewish tradition says Peter was crucified upside down. We hadn't had any problem with that, have we? But Jewish tradition says that Salmon, her husband, was one of the two spies that was in her house. And isn't that an incredible story? I just love it. Can you believe that? I mean, God not only... <laughs> For one of the guys that was a spy, God had a wife ready for him. He was prepared everybody. God's always ahead of us. God, he is our safe house. He has people around us that we know not of. Well, Rahab makes a request to them that her family also be saved. And so in chapter 2, verse 12, Now therefore please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men agree, but they give a stipulation. So the men said to her, Our life for yours if you do not tell this business of ours. In other words, keep it secret. And it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly, faithfully with you 
God was working in so many lives. God was way ahead of all of them. I wonder if, if we understand that this morning. God's way ahead of us. Let us as New Covenant believers remember that Christ is way ahead of us. And whatever we have to face, whatever challenge, if it's physical, if it's emotional, if whatever it is, He already has provided for us. He is our safe house. And He has people around us that we don't even know are there. When the temptations come to lose heart, to stop trusting, remember He's our safe house. And he has those around us. In Albuquerque, I'm, I always talk too loud. Have you, <laughs> you haven't been around me enough to know that. You think it's the microphone. But I just thought, why? Because I wear hearing aids. What's loud? So we're in a restaurant, and Diana is saying, Wayne, Wayne, shh. One time she told me, shut your mouth. Diana did. And I said, what? She said, there's something green hanging between your two teeth. But most of the time, she'll say, Wayne, be quiet, be quiet. Everybody in the restaurant's listening to you. <laughs> One day, this guy called me up for breakfast, and I shared this a year or so ago. But he asked me out for breakfast, and uh, he's, I thought he was a good guy. If I don't think you're a good guy and you ask me out for dinner, bring your credit card because I'm going to cost you because I've already sniffed that out, and you're going to pay for it if you're going to have me for lunch. But he took me out to breakfast. I wasn't thinking a thing. We're in the middle of breakfast, right in the middle of the meal. He lays his fork down and says, Wayne, I'm telling you something. You're killing this church. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, boy, that's going to be good for digestion this morning. The very fact that I was teaching Philippians verse by verse was killing the church. Amazing. Well, evidently, I've been talking too loud, and evidently he's talking too loud because there was a guy sitting behind him in a cracker barrel behind him. And he gets up right before I knew what to say. I just didn't know what to say. And I was saying, oh, Lord, I cannot handle this. You're going to have to do something here. Give me your strength. And about that time, this man walks up to our table. Never seen him before in my life. He said, are you Wayne Barber? I said, yes, sir. And I shook his hand. He said, I'm an attorney. I just moved into town about six months ago. I want you to know I've been attending your church. I want you to know my daughter's saved now. And I also want you to know that my family has is on a level spiritually we have never been on because of the teaching of God's Word in Philippians. And he said, I want to tell you something. Don't you ever be discouraged. He said, first of all, you're what this church needs, you're what Albuquerque needs, and you're what the state of New Mexico needs. And said, Whoa! So, and then he said, give me your bill. I'm going to pay for your meal. And walked out, and I'm thinking, who was that? You know, God just has people around you all the time. I'm, yes, God, go. Listen. This happened to the, it says in Acts chapter 18 and verse 9, Paul, when the church of Corinth began, there was a hostile crowd there. And God said to him, it says in Acts 18, 9, And the Lord said to Paul in the night by vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. And that blesses me to know that Paul was afraid. For I'm with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you. Why? For I have many people. In this city. Oh, how I love that. God said, I got many people in here. Don't you dare. You keep on doing what you're doing. I got your back. There are people around you you don't even know are there. Well, it just blesses me to know how God's way ahead of us. He always goes before us. Did you know that? Have you lost hope in that? Is something not happening in your life in time that you wanted it to happen? Have you forgotten who's ahead of you? Have you forgotten that his time is not your time? He's slow, but he's never late. But we can be assured that what goes on in front of us, preparing the way, 
that he has friends. He has, he's our safe house. He has friends we know not of. Christ is always there. Remember Elijah? You remember Elijah? <laughs> he was in the cave, and he comes before God. I don't know how he said it. He must have been holy. God, I'm the only prophet that has never bowed my knee before Baal. What did God say back to him? Well, you dismissed it by 6,999. There's 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. Isn't it interesting how we isolate ourselves and forget that there are people all around us that we know not of, that God has? But then finally, Christ is always our way of escape. He's always our way of escape. It's so marvelous to me that God led them to a house of a recently saved woman that was on the wall of the city. Had to have been probably that inside wall, but the outside wall, I doubt. There was two walls there, but nobody would have been living on the outside wall, probably on the inside wall. But how neat is that? I mean, awesome. They didn't have to go anywhere else. They went to get information, went to one house, got every bit of information they needed. <laughs> and what a quick way out, right there on the wall. It says, verse 15, Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. And she said to them, go to the hill country so that the pursuers will not happen upon you and hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return. Then afterward you may go on your way. Now she instructs them to go to the white limestone hills that extended to the north and rose to a height of 1,500 feet. They were full of caves and a perfect place for them to hide while the other men were looking for them. The men uh, recited to her again the, the conditions that her family would be spared. It says in verse 17, The men said to her, We shall be free from this oath to you which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land you tie, oh, watch this, you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down and gather to yourself into the house your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. Why a scarlet thread? I'll tell you what it says to me. It illustrates to me the scarlet cord of redemption that goes from Genesis to Revelation. It so reminds me of the blood that God had them put over the doorpost when they were in Egypt about, about ready to depart that protected them. When Israel was spared from the death angel when they were about to leave captivity. But it also reminds me, it really reminds me of this, that it cleanses each of us, not only salvation, forgives our sins, but also cleanses us daily when we run to Jesus, our safe house. When we recognize, yes, he's protecting us when we don't even know it. But when we're delivered from the power of our flesh, we run to that scarlet blood that was shed for us on the cross. There was only one way of there's, there's a, Not only was there a way of escape for the spies, but for the family of Rahab. Verse 19 says, It shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on your, our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free from this oath which you have made us swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. They couldn't leave the house. They had to stay in the house. So she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and came to the hill country and remained there for three days until the pursuers returned. Now the pursuers had sought them all along the road, but had not found them. Then the two men returned and came down from the hill country and crossed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they related to him all 
that had happened to him. And what a story they had to tell him. We didn't have to go from house to house. We didn't have to go look at the army. We didn't have to do a thing but go to this woman's house and she protected us. She also revealed to us that the whole nation was completely in fear of, of, of Israel and of their, our God. I mean, it's incredible. What a story. And in verse 24 it says, They said to Joshua, Surely the Lord has given all the land into our hand. Moreover, all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before us. Well, how do we bring it down to where we live this morning? When we experience all that is ours in Christ, it's only by faith. It's only by faith. Faith has that idea of forsaking all else, I trust God. I'm just going to trust Him. I'm just going to trust Him. He is my safe house. He has friends that I know not of. <laughs> and He, His blood always is that which gives us a way of escape from ourselves. I don't know what we're going to face in the future. I really don't. I have no idea. But I'll tell you this. What this message did for my heart, I don't know if it did for your heart or not, it just comforted me knowing who's ahead of us. That he's leading us every day of our life. He's, he's absolutely in front of us. And if we'll just keep running to him, being safe in him, that's where we're only safe in him. And be, begin to open our eyes to the friends he has that we knew not of. They're everywhere. And they're stepping into, listen, Oh, I've got so many stories. I was, I was thinking about this and sharing it with Diana. I've got so many stories. They all jam up together. I've, I've had hundreds of stories of how, like the guy in, in the restaurant there at the Cracker Barrel. God's got people everywhere. It's incredible how they come out of the woodwork. But God already has them there. We don't know about it, but they're there. They're in this church that are going to help us to go on in the future of what God has for us in Wilden Park. But I guarantee you one thing. We won't be safe unless we stay in Christ and just continue to seek to yield to Him. And, and, and then we're going to start seeing those friends God raises up. But not only that, His blood delivers us from ourselves. So hopefully somehow somebody got encouraged this morning. I, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what, you don't know what I'm facing. We're all in it together, aren't we? I, just, I love you. I just love you so much. I just have been so encouraged that wherever we're headed, God's so far ahead of us. It'd make our heads swim. We just got to start acknowledging that and just keep on praising Him for what only He can do. Would you stand with me, your heads bowed and eyes closed? And while you do this, and Carrie's going to come and sing, I, I just want you to be thinking about, just draw that circle around yourself. Nobody's here but just you and God. What is it you're facing today? What is it that tends to overwhelm you that tends to rob you of the fruit of God's Spirit and the benefits of His cleansing and forgiveness, but something is just overwhelming you right now. What is that? Can you hear from God's Word how far ahead of you God is? Can you hear from God's Word that maybe even this morning, maybe I was a friend to you, maybe the, something else was a friend to you to encourage you, Maybe we need to hear again this morning that only by His blood can we ever be delivered from ourselves. Just like we were delivered from the penalty of sin, by His blood we are delivered from the power of sin. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed and carry saying, you just come on. Whatever decision God's put on your heart, you just move, just come this way. Just to get saved this morning, you don't know Christ, come on. If you're here and you want to join our church, come on. If you're here and just want to come and pray and say, oh God, I've been worried about this thing and I've carried it. 
I'm going to give it up this morning. I'm going to lay it at your feet, and I'm going to trust you that you're ahead of me and that you're going to lead me, whatever it is. For additional resources or to view our TV program, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org.